Welcome to the Steve OG Rock podcast. Today we'll be talking to the Intersphere, two members of the Intersphere, in fact, uh, Christoph and Daniel. They're a German rock band who recently released an album called Wanderer, which I thought was a masterpiece. Uh, if you're interested in checking out my review of that, it's on the YouTube channel. Now, at the very end of the interview that I did with the band, as soon as I stopped the recording on my laptop, my laptop crashed and did not save the local recording that I had been making during the interview, which was a harrowing moment. But luckily, I always have backups and I managed to get the, the Zoom recording of the interview. So that is what you're gonna hear and see now if you're watching this on YouTube. So the quality of the recording isn't quite at the level that I was originally intending. However, the conversation is of high quality. There were some really fascinating things. I learned some new things about bass pedal that I'd never heard of before, which was kind of cool. And it was really fascinating to hear about their songwriting process and the way that they actually record as well was pretty interesting. So enjoy this interview with The Intersphere. I am delighted to be joined by the lead singer and guitarist, Christoph, and the bassist, Daniel, from the rock band, The Intersphere, a band I somehow only discovered in the earlier part of this year, thanks to a recommendation from one of my patrons. A shout out to Leandro Nels, by the way, for that. And their latest album, Wanderer, came out uh, a couple of months ago, and it is a phenomenal record. I'm excited to talk about that record and the band and their history and where they might be going. And if the internet is to, to be believed, the band's been together for nearly 20 years. I can't wait to find out as well a little bit more about the history there. Now, to start with, to establish some context here, where do we find you in this conversation? So the album came out three months ago. Are you still in the thick of kind of touring it and promoting it? Or are you having a little bit of time to rest at this stage? Where where are you in the, the time scale here? Well, at the moment, we had the, the first release tour, like right when we had the, the album release in the end of May. So we played the major German cities, uh, which was for us at least a, a huge success. Uh, almost every show was sold out. So that was the nice. big uh, promo phase in the beginning. Uh, we had a couple of music videos, as you know, of course, because of the reaction yes. videos. Yeah. And um, at the moment, it feels actually a little bit like a like a small rest because we have the big tour then or the second part of the tour in the beginning of uh, next year. And uh, yeah, we're gonna re um, going to release a couple of uh, live videos until then. But yeah, it's kind of like the the big wave uh, during the release phase is now over, but the next one is coming soon. Right, I see. And is, is your creative process continuous? I mean, are you have you been writing new songs all the while since the kind of recording is finished, or do you kind of have a bit of a pause between one record to close that chapter and then start a new one? How how do you do that? Mostly we have a pause between uh, all the records because we, we're touring a lot and um, and I need some yeah some some space to to find uh, find new ideas and uh, all that stuff so but I also tried some new licks and some new riff stuff and um, yeah I'm really looking forward to present everything to the guys next time nice that's what that makes sense otherwise you're going to end up writing the next album all about life in the studio and recording <laughs> yeah. techniques and you know that might not be the most interesting perhaps um, okay that, I guess that does make sense but I suppose yeah if you're on tour you might have a lick you happen to play in rehearsal and, and or on stage as your sound check and think oh there's an idea I'll capture that right in terms of your your band, the first song I heard was Wanderer, and 
a phenomenal song. When I looked into your band afterwards, I was surprised to learn that despite the English vocals that you are based in Germany, is everyone in the band German by, by nationality? Is that the, the makeup of the band itself? Yeah, that's the case. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, I'm fascinated to know, I mean, I'm very grateful because if you sing in English, then I can understand it and I <laughs> love the lyrics, but I'm fascinated by the decision to have English be the language of the band. Has that been the case since the start or and is that, uh, what, what led to that decision? Um, it's, it's a thing that I learned rock music. So um, for me, rock music is, um, it's English and uh, it's, for me, it's the best sounding uh, language for, for singing and, uh, so it it was no decision in the beginning. It it's <laughs> it was there was no question. We started to play rock music, and so we sang in English. Yeah, I see. Is that because the the rock bands maybe that you were influenced by were were generally singing in English at the time when you were kind of learning to, to play, and you wanted to emulate them? Is that? Maybe where it's coming from. I mean, with maybe if you look, have a look at the at it like the other way around. Like I don't know a lot of German bands that do like the rock music that that we love and sing in German. There was like a like a phase or a generation of bands like I don't know, probably ten years ago, where, where there was a big wave of new German rock bands that sang in German, but most of them weren't quite as heavy i would say or sometimes i have to admit it sounded a, a bit like it was you know like uh i don't know it, it like they wanted to, to to ride that new wave that was coming so not really like a artistic decision but more like a commercial decision and i think sometimes it can work pretty well i used to uh play in a german rock band that sang german as well and but that was kind of a different sound than the one that uh, we do. So I think, I don't know, from a, from an artistic point of view, I guess it's just, yeah, like, like Christoph said, uh, it's the music that we grew up with. Uh, and um, I think we just didn't uh, see, see a reason to not, not to sing in English. I think we have to put it uh, in that way. That's fascinating. I didn't realize that, that that was a thing at all. I thought, I, I thought it, maybe it was, in, a, in an effort to have a kind of global audience in America or Britain or somewhere like that in the large English-speaking uh, uh, areas of things. Do you, uh, I guess the expectation there would be that hopefully even everyone in German Germany would understand enough English to follow your lyrics and get the meaning out of it that you're projecting within it? Is that something that you're finding at the, the gigs or do they ever say, would you write a song in German for us at some stage or does that not really kind of come up? No, that's not really the case, to be honest. I mean, maybe one of every two thousands of a uh, concert visitor maybe asks the question, but usually everybody's used to, to that. Uh, I mean, there are also many, uh, especially young Germans that also watch TV series and movies in English. So it's second nature, I would say it's, uh, yeah. Well, that's very helpful and handy. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice. Who were your influences? Who inspired you originally to pick up an instrument and say, I want to learn bass. I want to learn guitar. I want to have a piece of this kind of rock music world. I started with, uh, uh, with all the crunch bands. I, uh, I loved, uh, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, uh, and later than, um, bands like Dredge and, um, in the 2000s um yeah that's my main influence tool for example uh kind of proggy stuff and then later 
bands like Circus Survive, uh, Carnival, all that kind of stuff. I really dig them. <laughs> Daniel? Yeah, and for me it was, I mean, I had several phases. I mean, I think everybody of us had, but uh, I think the the initial rock phase uh, that I had the first uh, The first time I, I got in touch with rock music was probably like the Foo Fighters, Red Hot Chili Peppers, something like that when I was like, I don't know, 11, 12, something like that. And uh, I think the band that got me more into like the more heavier sounds was was indeed Slipknot. <laughs> Not that I still uh, listen to Slipknot, but that was like the, the first time I, I heard, uh, uh, I was listening to some kind of metal music or like let's say new metal like also Limp Bizkit and Korn of course was a something big for me and yeah I had, had like a, a, a punk rock a pop punk phase with Blink 182 but then I was getting more into also progressive music like as well Tool was uh, I guess for a couple of years my main influence and yeah just yeah was, There was just a, a whole new door that was uh, opening up for me. Yes, I think there comes a point in every musician's life when they discover a tool and they go, all right, I need to spend the next two months with this band and try to understand, understand what the hell is going on here. Um, they are phenomenal. And yeah, I mean, I'm similar. Most of the songs I react to on my channel are like metalcore metal songs, but mm. I'm a big pop punk kid. I was in ska bands when I was younger. I was the <laughs> vocalist in the pop punk band. So all about that, that range of things. And Part of what fascinates me is when you have a diverse interest of different bands and styles and genres, when you get together with certain people and make music together, you don't necessarily make the kind of music as you might expect. You might think, well, I love, I only listen to pop punk, let's say, and you get together in a band and you start playing like heavy metal because of this, this sort of unspoken collaboration between the musicians when you jam, it just sounds heavier. You just go in that direction together. How did you come across the intersphere sound did you get together naturally did you know each other as friends and then get into a rehearsal space and just jam out and this is kind of where it went or did you have a direction to start with yeah i'll give this word to christoph because he's one of the founding members yeah um uh, we uh, got to know each other when we were studying in mannheim at the uh, pop academy and um And then we we started to play in some projects and uh, and and I uh, wrote some rock songs because there were a, a lot of pop music and uh, a lot of uh, German R and B soul stuff that um, was really hip uh, when uh, when we started uh, in in Mannheim at uh, in two and I loved the way uh, um, how Moritz plays. His drums because he for me he he was a a rock drummer right from the beginning and um and i asked him um to start a project to play some songs in 2004 i think and uh in former times we had a, a an, another guitar, a guitar player and another bass player and uh so we we started in 2004 as a project playing some songs and um and yeah then the the band grew up and uh we had the chance to play some shows and uh and the people liked it a lot and um yeah and then we played 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 a lot of shows i think uh we have played seven hundred seven hundred 
50 shows, whatever, uh, since that. And um, we grew to, together in, 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 the, in the role of the band. And uh, I, I can't explain it in the, in the way I, I want it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, we played That's a lot and, and ev everyone uh, knows his place in the band. And we, uh, we wrote a lot of songs and we, we rehearsed so many times and um and we spent a, a lot of time together on tour and uh when we were studying and um yeah that's the the reason why we clued together and also yeah. i think if i if i can add uh maybe one one more thing i think uh, it's it's more like if you if you are with the right people in a band and make music together like with really the the same or with people that have the same mindset about music and also have many different tastes, but you have, you have that, that like common, yeah, it's just that you have like a, yeah, like a common sense uh, or like uh, overlapping genres that you like. And uh, we, I think we never, or we rarely talk about genres uh, or, or um, styles that we want to do. It's just um, if we play together as us four, That's just how we sound like. I think that's uh, just the thing. We, I, I don't know how it was in the beginning, but um, I think that's just how we like how we sound if we make music together, and it's just the the right people together on on their instruments. I think that's probably it. That sounds pretty healthy to me. I, I struggle with all the subgenres of defining things. It doesn't necessarily really matter, um, but and it's yeah, I find that fascinating. It certainly. You're saying you played over like 700 gigs. I mean, that is a ton. Two things come to mind. One is looking at some of the live uh, videos you've done recently. It, you can tell that. I've obviously not been to a live gig of yours yet, but there's a tightness that comes with that repetition, that time together and that kind of rehearsal kind of space. But also after 700 gigs, do you still get those kind of butterflies and the kind of fire of, all right, well, it's our time. We're going on stage now. Or do you walk on going, okay, Like it's like a living room now. It's very comfortable. How do you feel when you're when you're doing your live gigs? Well, at least for me, there's there's still some some nervousness before the before the show, and uh, but at the same time, of course, there's you know some kind of yeah nervousness, but there's also confidence that we know what we're doing. I think that's a pretty good mixture, and uh, maybe that's one of the reasons why people think we're a good live band because everybody knows their place in the band. And everybody knows what they are doing, and yeah, but but as you said, it's it's not like uh, oh let's play another gig, yeah, okay, that was fine. But it's really there are still some, you know, we are a bit nervous, of course, or at least I am. But that's I think always a good thing because because then you take it really seriously. I, I guess. Nice. Uh, back to what you're saying about uh, the kind of the genre side of things that you're not really thought about, and in particular, I suppose. Where that probably benefits you is when I was listening to the album Wanderer, although it is a, in essence, it's a guitar rock band, there are so many different flavors in each song. There's moments where it's almost kind of like a dance song. Like there's, there's some kind of buildup in a la carte, which is a very different delivery, this kind of spoken word rhythmic thing. And if you were a band that found that moment, you might make an album, all of that kind of sound, but you don't. Every song has its own kind of space to breathe. Wanderer, the song is completely different. Down is a completely different song as well. It's very kind of polyrhythmic and sort of experimental, I suppose, in some way. That, I'd love to ask some questions about that um, in a moment, but when you go on to write a new song, do you start from a place of 
how do I make this different from the last one? Or is it a case of you find a nice guitar lick or a bass lick or a lyric or melody idea, and then you just naturally build it from there? Do you have any kind of intention behind a new song when you start it? Um, sure. Um, the 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 last um, the last track we decided to to try everything that we didn't do before. That was the main topic, <laughs> and um, uh, most of the songs uh, were written in the pandemic. And um, I I wrote a lot of uh, uh, different songs uh, uh, during the lockdowns when I was here in the studio. Uh, I had the time late at night uh during the day i had to take care of my uh children and uh in the afternoon i went to the studio and and, and play around with the guitar and synths and whatever and um i worked with samples for example and more elect electronic beats and um and elements and um i think that was really new for for our songwriting it was quite interesting for for, for me and um and it's very important to say that I always start um, writing, and I and I have some kind of uh, fantasy language. I uh, I uh, always sing when I'm writing. I have melodies in my mind, and um, and in this case, I um, I I had that um, different layouts of some electronic, for example, treasure chest was was a, a kind of R and B beat and all this pads in it and and some weird guitar tapping stuff and whatever and after that i i sent everything to the guys and uh, then we decided together okay is this uh, an intersphere song is it possible to to play it in our context and uh, then we started to uh, to build everything new in a kind of um, pre-production in my studio where we replaced the the drums and Moritz tried to to play the electronic beats on his drum kit, for example, and uh, Daniel uh, did some kind of fuzzy uh, bass stuff, which uh, was kind of uh, a moog sound or something. And um, yeah, this this was the the way we went on the new record. I actually have a, a question. You mentioned the bass sound there in the song, and this maybe helps to answer it. In the song Bulletproof, when, after the kind of intro bit, when you go to the bass, and it's fantastic because the bass and the drums lock it in this nice rolling groove. The bass sound, I thought might have been even a, like the low bass notes of a keyboard. It has that kind of almost like a porn groove, like deep fuzziness to it. Is that the bass guitar through some kind of distortion pedal or is that uh, like a programmed in a keyboard thing? It, it is indeed uh, a real bass and it's a really, really weird pedal uh, probably Chris, christoph can tell me the name uh, of it's, it it's uh, the uh, plasma coil plasma coil um it's it's not really a fuss or a distortion it's just i don't i don't know what the hell this thing is do, this thing is doing and i think it's it has like what what does it have inside it's not a tube but uh, I, I think it, it least, runs with, it, with 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 gas or, or with, something with gas yeah it's it's gas, it's, yeah. Light, it's lighting up so it's it's Whatever the th this thing is doing, is, yeah, I've, I've never seen anything like that. It's not like you have that. It's not like that you have a gain gain knob or gain control. It just does its weird thing, but completely analog. It's not really a technically. I, I don't think it's a distortion. It's some 
Right. I, I guess, yeah, it's a gas. Yeah, the sounds, yeah. the waves yeah. must change when they're going through whatever that. Yeah, yeah. when we did is. the pre-production in Christoph's studio, I had a completely clean bass sound, but we just thought it's just too, sounds too funky, not, not, uh, not dirty and, and uh, yeah, not, not dirty enough. And, <laughs> and our engineer Moritz, he had this, this pedal with him in the studio. We just tried it out and that's how it ended up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, we tried a lot of different uh, distortion pedals, but the cool thing is with a plasma coil that there's a, a, a gate in it and, uh, and you can, uh, 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 yeah, adjust it just of the length of the of the no the boom 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 boom, boom and it doesn't uh sound um that long that it uh becomes yeah muddy. it cuts it cuts really quickly which is why yeah. it almost sounds like yeah. keyboard sound. it's why yeah. i couldn't understand it I'm like i don't think that's a keyboard but i'm not sure <laughs> i've ever heard a bass do that so that's that's cool that's good to know i've learned something new today thanks for that um you mentioned your your drummer earlier. Now, drumming is my main kind of uh, instrument that I'm most proficient at. And I, obviously, being a drummer, I would say this, but I think that every band is only as good as their drummer. And you have a phenomenal drummer uh, in your one. Yeah. Just, I guess you must have found that when you were doing your kind of um, studies earlier on in that academy. And you're like, oh, he's good. Let's keep working on some stuff together. And I think it was the song Down that really spun my head around. And I was wondering if you could talk about how you came to that collection of rhythms, because Down seemed to me like it's a 12-4 it's a kind of a song, but there are moments of vocal melodies that are almost like eighth notes. So it's a sort of polyrhythmic thing. And then the drummer is pushing beats before the downbeat of the, the, the first start of each bar. So it's on first listen, I was so confused because I was hearing every piece and not knowing which thing was the main melody. Once you hear it more and more, you realize the whole expanse and everything comes in and out. But how does something like that come about? Is that you experimenting with your electronic kind of sampling things and overdubbing some bits and pieces when you're kind of writing initial ideas? Or would you write something and then Morris would come along and go, I've got this idea for what to do drumming-wise over the top that accentuates a certain thing. And how do you decide what's too complex or needs to be more simple? Or does that make any sense? How did you how did you come together to create a song <laughs> like that? <laughs> well, but maybe first I have to say, because, I, I, of course, I know the reaction video that you did and uh, I was listening to you uh, reacting to it. But for at least for me, I think I can speak for all of us, for... Uh, uh, I, th I think there, I think there wasn't so, so, uh, there weren't so many thoughts that went into it rhythmically. I think for us, it feels pretty natural, actually. Um, it just has this, um, really, yeah, halftime heavy groove to it. And for me, it doesn't sound too complicated, but of course, it's because uh, I know that's, the, that's the, good, from, from, the very from the very <laughs> beginning. But it f I just want to say it feels really natural to, to us. And I think we didn't mm. really talk about it too much. I think the, the main yeah. challenge that we had, because the, the, the song was pretty similar when, when Christoph wrote the, the demo and the pre-production that he did by himself in his studio. But the challenge was to... Uh, exactly what I was talking about to make the groove feel more natural because I think the main part as far as I remember was to decide 
also which kick drum hits to play and what yeah. and where where to leave some space. And I think where to leave some space was actually more important than where to to add something because we want, wanted to have the wanted the groove to have a certain repeating structure, which I think uh, the song has now, and that was basically more the the challenge. And of course, then there's some as you also um uh was as you were uh, telling in your video there's there are also some electronic percussive elements in the background as well but morris does actually play 90 or 95 percent of the of the groove yeah yeah there was there was a main groove with that oh i have it now yeah and then i had i had different uh shakers and uh 16s uh hi-hats and um yeah and and, and Morris tried to play everything everything <laughs> so and um, he did it in a fantastic way yeah it, it was really cool but but in um, in the beginning it was uh, an electronic beat yeah right of course yeah i think it was it was that first offbeat kick pedal that you almost trip over and if when you first said whoa 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 what's going on am i is this a time signature i'm not ready for um, <laughs> but yeah now it's 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 i know i'm very familiar with the overall sound and it's it's a yeah it's a fabulous song um as you know i think do you have a, a kind of barometer in your heads about when you're writing something in terms of how i suppose technically complicated you might want to make it or do you try and keep things simple enough do, do you do you think about the general audience who are maybe not as, I don't know, musicianship focused and making sure that they're going to get something they want, but add little flavors of touches and decorations that really elevate a song to a level that they might not realize until they hear it in the 30th time. They go, hang on, there's a shaker I've just noticed that's doing this thing over here that makes it this extra level. I think for us, the the, the main reason when we decide uh, or we if, we if we do artistic decisions during the songwriting and recording does it feel natural to us and um does it make sense to us and is it fun to play <laughs> i think we're we're not really um considering too too much what musicians or especially non-musicians think about it uh i think the the songwriting itself so let's say the harmonies and the melodies always have the main focus i would say but in terms of instrumentation, I just I think we just don't set ourselves any limits, and it has yeah. to feel natural and it has to be fun for us. Um, and we rarely, maybe sometimes, but that's actually rare, uh, like stop stop uh, Moritz from playing some kind of fills or something <laughs> like that because it's just part of our musical DNA and of our sound. Um, so. Whenever he wants to do something, we just let him do his stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, at least during the songwriting, and if if we really have uh, something where we say, "Okay, Moritz, maybe this <laughs> little thing <laughs> could be a bit more simple," of course, then we tell him. But most of the times, we just let things happen, and if it feels natural to us, we just leave it in there. And I mean, there are also like in the previous album, the Grand Illusion. I think of the. Uh, album opener which is called don't think twice it's actually a pretty kind of pop rock songs almost but there's this super crazy fill in the i think before the last chorus or something <laughs> but it's just the way we sound and i think it's cool to 
to that that we have the chance to do things like that and we have a drama like Moritz that can do things like that um other than that i think actually the instrumentation is let's say we well thought but not too complicated i would say yeah. i mean we don't have any crazy fast guitar licks or anything it's i think guitar and bass wise it's more about um harmonies and how like uh, how we arrange those harmonies and how the bass and guitars fit together i think that's more the complicated if you can say so a part yeah that's interesting and i've i've thought about this i'm not a, a bassist i mean i have a bass but I, i'm not really a bassist but i notice in songs when the bass and the kick drum pedal for example lock in together and moments where where they don't and i've i've wondered about the decision making behind that because in in bulletproof it did sound to me initially that that would be a an obvious choice to have the bass lick match exactly the drum beat in the verses but it doesn't quite right or is that just the magic of the plasma plasma coil thing like is it is it exactly with the with the drum beat or is it slightly sometimes yes sometimes no yeah yeah that's exactly the case yeah sometimes we we play together or on the, are on the same beat but there are also spaces where i play uh, the bass line where there's no kick drum yeah it, and it's just uh maybe we have to say about bulletproof that that the, especially the verse was kind of a journey <laughs> it sounded completely different in the first demo phase mm. uh i just wasn't that happy how it sounded at first and it was during the pre-production phase that we were talking about earlier when i tried something completely different and that was actually the the main groove that we have now in the song plus then we had the the crazy sound that we found in the studio you know. but yeah there are some some in-between beats with the bass as well yeah nice uh, this is a really tricky question. Some are going to enjoy asking this one. What would you say is your best song as the Intersphere? Now, this I imagine that this surely has a different answer for each of you. I don't know whether that means because it was really difficult to write, and but it came out really nicely. But if you were to say the best song of the Intersphere is this one, in your view. I'm going with Down. Okay, good choice. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I like Down, but I, um, but I, I, my most favorite song is the song uh, Choker from uh, the Relations in the Unseen record. I like that really, really much. But we, we don't play it anymore. <laughs> but uh, so you're sad but, about that, or you like it because it, it had its time? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, but I like this song really, really much. Yeah, from a previous record, uh, The Grand Illusion, it was the song Mind Over Matter. I yeah. think it was my favorite yeah. one of that album. And I think also one of the of our fans' most favorite songs. Uh, but from the current album, I would say it's for me, it's Down and Wanderer. Yeah. Yeah. Wanderer is is amazing. Are are you fans of uh, Biffy Claro? I'm assuming you're aware of them as a band. Yeah. Because yeah. that yeah. Wanderer really reminded me that that track of them is that sort of something about the the syncopation with it, the the ability to drop everything out and have a kind of nice that, that moment with just the guitar and the vocals at the beginning, but then have the power later on. It kind of, the freedom of expressing the music in a variety of ways within one song, and it totally somehow working in a sort of journey, um, which is something I thought, I don't know why I decided to share. This is like, this is my kind of context for this, because we don't really have, there, there aren't that many bands, I think, that either will allow themselves to have very simple, straightforward songs, 
and also some kind of more creative and, and meandering interesting ones to live within the same record. Um, and I think it's a good, I think we need more music like that. So I just want to encourage more of that. Um, what would you say in the almost 20 years of being together, uh, and each of you can answer potentially differently for this, is your kind of greatest moment thus far that you're, you're pleased with with the band? Is it the most recent record and how that's turned out? Or is it a particular gig or festival you played that you always wanted to? What's, what's the, the current high watermark of what you've enjoyed most about the band so far? Oh, there, there were a lot of uh, uh, nice festival slots. Uh, I liked a lot. We played Rock am Ring and some some huge festivals in, in Germany, Open Flair and Taubertal. And, um, and there, um, I like it when we when we are on tour and after three or four days, the the band works like a machine and uh, and I like this this part a lot when 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 the crew and the band and and everything is on point and uh, we can go out on stage and and tear down everything that's that's the that's the the best moments for me when we yeah when we are ready to rumble. <laughs> All right. for, for for me, what what comes in my mind was it was actually one of the first gigs i had uh with the band it was at a, that was at a time when i was not officially in the band but as a sub and i think it was exactly 10 years ago or almost 10 years ago when we were uh supporting dredge mm -hmm. and i think a couple of months earlier it was carnival um but especially dredge is a band that i, that I grew up with and uh and a band that had probably one of the biggest influence in my musical career and to see them during the sound check to meet them behind the uh, or uh, yeah uh, backstage and being on the same stage with them was that was a pretty pretty big moment for me and uh yeah that I, I still have that that one in my mind and of course like like Christoph said touring in general Especially the release tours are, all, are always special and uh, big festival shows, of course, as well. But um, I think we are more, I would say, more of a, a club rock band uh, that, that works really well, like in two to 500 capacity clubs. But yeah, especially, That's like it. I said, during, during the release phase, when everything is fresh, people are craving for new material. That's probably the best, the best feeling, yeah. Nice. I, yeah, I, go, go on. Yeah, I uh, I can remember on tour we uh, we played in front of 500 people and then we played the last song Parallel Lines on on that tour in 2018 and everyone was was quiet in the end and it it, it was a really fantastic feeling and everyone was was listening and uh, yeah. Well, at the end of the song, there was like silence, but they were just captivated. Or do you mean they there was a hush when you started playing it? Or no, in in the end of the song, when we finished, uh, we, we finished and, <laughs> wow. and and get uh, even slower and uh, and more uh, silent. And in the end, it, it was absolutely quiet in the room, and that was a uh, you hypnotized nice... the crowd with yeah, the song. That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Well, that speaks to something that I, I love enormously, which is the live music aspect of things. There is something special about being in a crowd of other human beings, listening and enjoying the same music at the same time. And it can have effects like that. You can kind of, you know, everyone's in, enthralled in the same moment. And I wondered if, are there particular songs off Wanderer that 
hit live either for you or you notice in the crowd in a way that you didn't necessarily expect? Or is there, you know, what are there kind of highs and lows that, that you could speak to about that record when it's played live? Good questions. Good question. But I think I had to, <laughs> I have to take some minutes to think about that because uh, <laughs> nothing comes in my mind like immediately. Um, like, but in general, it felt great to, to play new songs. I don't know if something was like surprising or uh, other than we would have thought some songs uh, um, would be would be heard or listened to or we be reacted to on 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 stage or, or during the show. To be honest, nothing like that. But maybe if I if I think a bit longer about that, maybe something comes in my mind, but not not immediately. To be well, honest. it's it's great to hear that they all went just as well as you expected. That's that's yeah. what I get. But what what, what oh, we can we tell is slap. <laughs> but what we can tell, or what I can tell, we played Wanderer, the song Wanderer, before a couple of times. I think also one or two years before we released the the song, and it was really really tough for us to play that one. I don't know because the I think the the way the the rhythmic pattern works together with everything, the guitars, the kick, the bass, is something. And also, I think in a in a tempo that we, I think, never had in a song before and it was we it really took some t some shows i don't know maybe five or six shows uh, until that song really uh felt natural on stage because it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a problem when we re recorded it neither during the pre-production or during the the real production in the studio but playing it live when you're full of adrenaline we, we always uh were i think or at least I, it, I felt like I was rushing all the time. Yeah. So that was, I think, really the hardest song to to get on stage, like in comparison to playing it in a studio. In a studio, everything was fine, but it was yeah. quite a challenge for us to to get that song that on, on stage. Yeah. Do you play with the metronome live, or is it just feel? Uh, always with a click, yes, yeah. at metronome. Okay, yeah. okay. Because I, I was thinking for that song in particular, the main riff... That would come with with all, the full band. It's it's an on it's an offbeat then an onbeat then an offbeat then an onbeat. And if you don't have any connecting note, you've got a big old gap to get it wrong on the off or the on. And you, there's a chance that the, the drummer and the bassist and the guitarist might have a different internal clock. So when you come in together, yeah, I could see how that might happen. But I suppose over many gigs, you get a feel for everyone's mutual tempo, and then yeah, yeah. Maybe that's as, as soon as we as, yeah. as soon as we started the release tour, I think everything was locked together. But it's just the the song always is a couple of ppm slower than everybody thinks it is when you're <laughs> when you're going on stage and play it for, uh, as as the as the gig or as the show opener. So that that was the challenge that we that we had. Yeah, always. I, I don't know of anyone that doesn't rush <laughs> a little yeah. bit live with the drama. <laughs> I I remember we had a, a songwriting week to uh, to write the um, um, at Kinsey when we uh, were written the second half. Of the album, and um, we rehearsed "Wanderer" several times because we we recorded the live version, uh, which is also available on uh, on YouTube uh, at uh, 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 Mish Battery, Mish Mish Battery, <laughs> and um, and Thomas and me we we uh, rehearsed playing and doing the vocal stuff and the backing vocals every evening two or three hours and and try to to play it in the in the right way and it was it was uh, because there are so many arpeggios and and lead stuff to play 
which we uh, uh, didn't do normally. We, normally, I play chords and strummings and all this, or riffs or something that's um, that's uh, not that difficult. But playing the the melody lines and uh, in that weird rhythm and singing, it uh, it was really <laughs> difficult. Did you and, regret some songwriting decisions? I should have made this simpler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because I recently discovered a band called Infant Annihilator, who are insane. They're kind of deathcore, absolutely insane. And apparently the drummer can't play the song from start to finish because it's so intense and, and mad. And it begs the question, does that matter? Like, people get annoyed, well, if you can't play it live, then it doesn't count. But then you might not have this song in audio form at all. So would you ever consider writing a song that you maybe couldn't play live? And it was just, well, I wanted that song to exist. Or having that experience of trying to rehearse for hours, the backing, vocals, et cetera, of Wanderer, does that make you think, okay, in future, I'm going to bear that in mind and make sure that I can play something that I can also do the vocals over for the live shows? Is that something that you, you consider at all? I think um, that question, or I think that's not really a question for us because every song that we record, we record it live in the studio together. We don't do any, of, of course, we do some, overdubs to some extent but that's just a little bit of production add-ons but we play yeah. every every song in the studio for the record we play together in one room and we re rehearse it like that so there is no overdubbing for the basic tracks at all so maybe there's there are of course some uh, challenges regarding the vocals and playing your instrument at the same time that's a different story but that's yeah, Christoph's problem. But, but, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's my problem as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but th that's something that you will figure out over time. So that's just something you have to get used to, and um, then it's actually pretty easy if you once you figured it out. You have, of course, like Christoph said, Wanderer was pretty challenging to. I, I, I know that for Christoph and Thomas who had to sing and play it, but. Uh, other than that, yeah, like I said, we record everything live in the studio together, so it's never, never a question. It, it always works. We have some songs like uh, I remember "Destination," the, the the last song of our album "Hold on Liberty," as well as "Shipwreck," the last song of our album "The Grand Delusion." They are they have some more overdubs and also some more electronic stuff that would be a bit more difficult or would take some time to bring it on stage uh, as it sounds on uh, on the record but other than that i think of the i don't know 60 songs that we or 60 or 70 songs that we recorded i think 99 percent are played live together or uh, at least rehearsed completely live together and recorded afterwards yeah that's fascinating to me so uh, did you opt for the full band recording live for the in the studio stuff for that kind of untouchable live feel where everyone's sort of together and it's got an extra element to it so it does not to be too kind of static because i imagine that would be the payoff but the difficulty is you need everyone to be on it <laughs> for those takes right so you must rehearse a ton before you record the live you know you know the live studio versions of for the album is that how that works yeah many reasons yeah. for that and i think uh, also if you look if you look at it the other way uh, or at least if we look at it the other way around, uh, the question would rather be, why shouldn't we play it live? Because A, it saves so much time. <laughs> <laughs> Two, you, you can listen to the immediate result 
as you finish recording so not have to wait until there's the the th th third or fourth or fifth guitar track that we had to record and um but it's also a thing or uh, the thing about having the energy in the room and um and playing more and emotional i think playing more emotional exactly and also uh you 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 don't get lost in in the details that don't matter so tiny mistakes here and there they are still on the record but do you hear them i don't think so and if so bravo <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah. yeah it's yeah. there's just n yeah like i said the other way around there would there would be no reason not to to play live and you 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 were uh, saying something about we have to be really well prepared and rehearse a lot that is true and that was the case uh, always so there was also always an, an intense an intense uh, rehearsal phase but to be honest for wanderer uh we didn't actually have that much time to rehearse but we were just um let's say uh trusting uh trusting on our abilities and it worked so <laughs> as yeah, soon as you, as you have two or three records uh that, that we record live and play many shows i think that's it's it's, it's doable but of course um But but to be honest, I think it uh, f at least for me, I feel less pressure playing it live in the room because I know that not every little detail or mistake uh, is gonna matter because we only listen to the to the full band mix when we decide on uh, was was it a good take or not. And if there are some small things here and there that you would have liked to be a little bit more perfect or a little bit different, you can always change that one part. But That it's not sense. like four, four or five guys are looking at you at the in the <laughs> control room and, hey, was that right? Was that sixteenth note a bit off? I mean, <laughs> fuck it. Who who cares? No. Yeah, I imagine you can get paralysis from perfection. Yeah, trying to you're on yeah. your own doing every layer. Like, well, you know, you could be there all night doing the same riff again and again. And I mean, drive you mad. And, I mean, there are genres to be honest that where the, where that kind of tightness matters, but that kind of organic rock band sound that we have um just doesn't need to be perfect it needs to be organic it needs to have energy and it needs to have groove but groove doesn't come from being and a little like bit of on, on, on the yeah on the, yeah groove doesn't come yeah, it's, from it's from rock being music it's all, not all supposed that, to I mean. be perfect yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, because on the 100th take, if you're doing an individual guitar lick, whatever, you might nail it. You might play it exactly right, but you might have no feel in it. It might have yeah. no purpose beyond just the notes in a row. And then yeah. you might as well just program it, right? Yeah, and but also, and, and to be honest, after that, I mean, I've, I've been, and I and also Christoph, we, we recorded other bands many times, and usually after the 10th or 20th take, <laughs> no good things happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so that's, I mean, we play probably around six or seven live takes and then we know that it's not going to be better. And usually it's the third or fourth take that we use as the main track and, and that's it. Yeah. You've been together for so long now and it's part of your, your resilience, I imagine. I'm really impressed with the fact that you've been able to sustain a, a band touring kind of lifestyle because from my experience, 
it's either like you just lose money um, or if you're one of the fortunate ones, like make it massive, then you can make more money than you can spend. But there's not a whole lot in between unless you want to be in like a wedding band uh, here in the UK. That seems to be the kind of the life. Um, you've recently, I think it seems like it's recently based on the internet, uh, started kind of a Patreon world. Is that something that's, that is quite recent to help kind of make it a sustainable thing? And how has that process been? And how, how do you find the kind of the, the financial aspect of trying to keep the band going uh, for yourselves? Yeah, we started uh, Patreon, I think, one one month after the pandemic started. So that was the time when... Uh, just the the comp the whole income of playing live was gone from yeah, one gone. day to another, so that was the kind of like the emergency plan. <laughs> but but also also yeah. a plan. Just pull the ripcord. <laughs> <laughs> but also uh, a plan that we think or that we yeah still think is uh, is such a good way to to be sustainable as a band because because um, playing live alone. And I mean, we don't have to tell you that selling records doesn't really bring any money. It just covers the cost. Um, I think that's one of the best ways to to be sustainable as an artist. Not not also not, not only as a musician, but other artists as well, being it designers or video artists or or whatever they are also on on Patreon. Um, and for us, when we started it, and seeing that there are so many people who are willing to support us was phenomenal and we still are so happy and grateful that we we have those kind of fans that still support us on that platform yeah i think it's also it's a great way of of getting closer to your your fans and, and helping them feel closer to the band it sounds from looking at your patreon page you they get to see some of the songwriting or recording process and you're you're thinking behind things and see how things develop uh i, I saw from a comment from uh, one of the members of the band, probably I'm assuming the drummer, that there are drum playthroughs if you want to kind of learn how he's doing what he's doing. And that's, I think that's a phenomenal thing that people did not have 20 years ago when we started, when you started your your band, right? So it's kind of, it's a, it's a the internet can be used for such good. And I'm, I'm glad that we're in a world now where this this can happen. People can get closer to the music in that way. It's very cool. Mm. What what advice, sorry, yeah, go on. I know, I just wanted to say, I think at least for me, it feels also that we kind of be a bit more, honest on on patreon because on social media everything always is you know the perfect world and everything but i have the feeling on patreon where it's not where you know a couple of thousands of people are are reading it and uh, scrolling through their their feed uh, in milliseconds uh, i think also when we do those kind of um, we don't do it that regularly but sometimes we do those monthly updates where we write a, a, a blog post, what's what's going on with the band, but also what's going on in our in our minds. And I have the feeling we have that's it's kind of a, a space where we can take our fans with us. What's also what's really happening behind the curtain, and not what's seen on on the perfect social media world. So maybe that's also a, another thing that's uh, that's uh, to be considered on on Patreon. Yeah, that makes sense, and it links as well with your your attitude towards your wanting to record things as a live band and in that way it's the realness that, that kind of matters it, it anchors it in authenticity and that is a far more uh i guess innately human responsive enjoyable thing i think for both them and for, for i imagine for yourself so it makes total mm -hmm. sense um yeah. we're coming up to the end here um i was interested in 
So I wonder how different I'm going to be interviewing a bunch of artists as part of this podcast. And I'm assuming people feel differently about different parts of being in a band. And I've sliced up five different sections of it. I'd love to know what you think is the most enjoyable and what is the hardest elements of it. And I would say it's there's the writing process, there is the recording process, there's a rehearsal process, and then touring, and then the live performance itself. Is there one thing within that end-to-end kind of process that you think, this is the reason I do this? If I could do this all day, every day, that would be the dream. And what do you find to be the most challenging thing that you're like, I will do this because it helps me get to the fun stuff that I really enjoy? Okay, I have an answer, but uh, there are two sides of it. I would choose playing live, but I also choose playing live because we don't do it every day. And I think yeah. it needs to be something special. Um, I used to be on tour with an Italian artist. Like really, it was just a, I mean, it was a big job, but it was, you know, a job where I played the same set every evening. The first 10 sets were, you know, completely overwhelming. Uh, wow. How did I, how did I end up here on this huge stage? 20th uh, show still phenomenal, but after the, 80th or 90th show it the the whole excitement went completely down and i think that's the same also for 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 a band like like we are if you play every night for the whole year then it's it's just uh the the excitement goes down like linear so i would choose playing live but also because we don't do it every day and it's still something special yeah, I really like the the studio time when uh, uh, everything is is written and then you you see how the 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 whole song uh, gets excited. So that's um, that's for for me the most interesting part. And then um, yeah, playing live for sure to to get the applause and uh, and the feedback from the people and. Um, yeah, for me the hardest thing is 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 writing to, to to find new ideas and especially uh writing lyrics. It's uh always um uh a fight <laughs> with myself and uh and the song and the melody and the rhythmic and all that uh stuff because I always um record a um a kind of as I formerly said, um, a kind of um, fantasy language, and uh, and it's really hard to to fill in that kind of melodies with um, with good, really good content and make everything sound good. And um, yeah, that's really hard. But sometimes it took a little bit longer. But uh, in the end, I'm yeah, I'm really happy when everything is done and we can go in the studio and and have fun. <laughs> Nice. The payoff is worth it. But yeah, once yeah. you get through the writing and then it's in the studio, it comes together. And uh, Daniel, that would have been my answer as well. But I never thought about that. Because if you if you had ice cream every day, eventually <laughs> yeah. you'd be kind of sick of ice cream, right? Probably, um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Very good. Um, all right. Thank you very much for that, uh, for all your time and, and your insights. It's been really, really great to chat to you, to you both. I suppose I've, I've alluded to this at the start, but um, I wonder if we could leave people with what's what's kind of next for yourselves. I guess you've got a tour coming up in February of next year in Germany. Are you going to come to the UK at some point soon, hopefully? <laughs> I mean, we've we've been to the 
to the UK a couple of times. Uh, we still think that we'll come back, of course. Uh, just at the moment, we don't have anything that's you know, official. Uh, also, to be honest, it's uh, not getting easier playing uh, in foreign countries for us because well, all of us has family now and, and, and stuff, but, uh, also Brexit still... has ruined fun for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's not great. <laughs> That's what you said. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Every day we're like, well, who did this anyway? But yeah, we, we've played some, also some, uh, uh, festivals in UK and club shows, but at the moment we just have, don't have anything that's, uh, official at the moment. Yeah. So another but record on so. the horizon at some point. Right? Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll I'll go to Germany. Like I'll have to make that happen. Um, <laughs> wonderful. Well, thank you very much, folks. It has been fascinating to talk to you both today. I really appreciate your your time, and I've learned a new thing about a bass pedal. Oh, the you know plasma <laughs> cannon, whatever it was. It was coil, phasma coil, plasma, plasma coil. 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 So, okay, yeah. I'm going to Google that right afterwards and check out some more <laughs> about that. So wonderful. Thanks, folks. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and I look forward to hearing your next music as and when that comes out. Thank you for having Thank us. You. And there we have it. That was the interview with The Intersphere. Lovely dudes. Really enjoyed talking to them. If you want to talk about that interview or you want to suggest some bands you think I should interview in future, there is a free Discord server you can join via the link in the description. I'd love to chat to you about all things rock music. Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed it and you want to leave a review on whatever podcast service you check this out on, please do. Otherwise, I look forward to hopefully seeing you in the next episode.